All right, uh, go ahead and take out your notes real quick, your, uh, the notes that should be in your uh, bulletin. And just, uh, if you have them, just hold them up real quick, uh, just, just hold your notes up, um, and, uh, and then just put them away, because uh, you're not going to use them. Uh, actually, you could write on them, but this is the first time I've ever done this. I, uh, I have lost my notes, it's so interesting, in first service, uh, my notes didn't sync up. And so I didn't, I didn't have it. I scripted out my messages, and I didn't have it. I was freaking out. Uh, somebody went and got my computer. I preached off my computer uh, in first service. And, um, and it was, it's interesting because I typically have my sermon done enough to where I have my notes by Wednesday uh, at the latest Thursday. Uh, but then as I was going over my message on Saturday, again, kind of refining my message, I felt like the Lord was saying uh, to talk about a little bit of a different angle, a little different perspective. And so then I worked really hard to try to m- meld two different stories into, uh, into my notes and into uh, my message. And it just, honestly, it didn't work for service. And uh, nobody said anything. Nobody was like, that was the worst message I've ever heard. Because um, nobody ever really does that. Nobody's that mean. But uh, it just, I don't know, I just wasn't feeling it. And, it, and it's interesting because I didn't have my notes, and it was almost as if, I'm not saying it was God's fault that I didn't have my notes, uh, but there was just a little bit of a check, even in, in the last song of worship, I, I was feeling a little bit convicted that I just didn't stick with what I really felt like the Lord was putting on my heart in order so that people could fill in blanks. And, uh, and so I just decided for you guys in second service, you're just going to have to deal with not filling in blanks today. There, some of the blanks will kind of be similar and the same um, because what we're talking about is faith and we're talking about physical healing today. Uh, we're in this series on miracles and this is leading to the culmination of Easter, which is the greatest miracle of ever, right? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, and so we're going to talk about that, and we're also going to promote and kick off a series uh, that will launch uh, following Easter, the, the Sunday after Easter, uh, that's titled, uh, I Want to Believe in God, But. Uh, and that's for all those people that maybe show up on Easter, uh, that they, they, they want to believe, but there's so many barriers, there's so many walls uh, that are in place that, uh, that are keeping them uh, from surrendering to God. And so we want to just address some of those things and uh, deal with some of the doubt and some of that stuff that comes along. And hopefully we'll have some people who, uh, who come back after Easter uh, because they want, to, they want to address that. I want to believe in God, but... Uh, so, all that's coming up. I'm not sure where I was going with that. Oh, the, or the series that we're in. Uh, the theme verses uh, that we're in are Psalm 77, 14. You are the God of miracles and wonders. You still demonstrate your awesome power. Job 5, 9. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. So, those are the theme verses for us. And, uh, and it's just as, us, as a reminder to us. Uh, that God continues to perform miracles. And so today I want us to look at someone who earnestly sought after him and stepped out in faith. Uh, if it's most of the scriptures today will not be on the screen today, uh, this is what I'm doing today is our tech guy's worst nightmare. Uh, because it, you think that they're the problem, but it's really me. I'm the problem in this situation. I reworked everything, changed everything, using scriptures that I never gave them. 
and so uh, I apologize. You're going to actually have to open your Bibles or your phones or your tablets. So if you're reading, if you're on your phone, I trust that you're reading your Bible today. It's from Mark chapter 5, verse 33 through 34. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Uh, She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I would be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned, out, uh, he turned, around, in, turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? His disciples said, you see the people crowding around you? How can you ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So I want to talk a little bit about this nameless woman. Uh, We don't really know much, uh, we don't know a lot about her other than what's in this story. And uh, and I've done some research on some commentaries on, on this woman and the disease that she had and, and some of those things. Um, this was probably a young woman. Jesus refers to her as daughter, uh, not woman. And so that's probably an indication that uh, she was younger in age. Uh, this woman ha- is a victim of a, a chronic disability. She has this dreadful infirmity. Uh, in her body. And when I was a kid growing up, and even when I was in high school and college, I, I think that I wanted to believe uh, that, that the suffering that she was going through was probably some sort of like bacteria in the blood flow, virus, something for 12 years that she had been suffering with, uh, primarily because I didn't want to think about the thought that for 12 years, this woman had a bloody discharge coming out of her. That was her disease. And we hear that, and, and just for the record, because of this message, I no longer like the word discharge. <laughs> I, I, and most of you are like, yeah, I never liked that word. But I always thought, like, discharge from the hospital, you know, like, I don't go there. And yet... That's what this woman is suffering from. This is an embarrassing physical problem, to say the least. Here's some of the the restrictions that would have been imposed on this woman. Uh, In Leviticus, in the law, we see that her condition would have made her ceremonially unclean. It says that if a woman has a, uh, I hate this word, has has a discharge of blood for many days, other than at the time of her customary impurity, or if it runs beyond her usual time of impurity, all the days of her unclean discharge shall be as the days of her customary impurity. She shall be unclean. In other words, this woman for 12 years, she wanted to go to church? She couldn't. She was forbidden to enter the temple or the synagogue. She, she wanted to worship, but she was denied that privilege of being able to do that. She was unable to do the duties or enjoy the privilege of even being a wife. 
And having a husband, because they would have seen her as unclean, she would have been ostracized by uh, everyone around her. She would have been kept at his distance, almost as like a leper, to just keep them away. She would have lived in appalling loneliness. Think about this. Think of all the joys that you've experienced over these past 12 years. Maybe the birth of a child, the, the travels, or the, uh, the experiences of getting married, or whatever. All of those things that you've experienced these last 12 years, she got to experience none of that. None of it. In touching Jesus, she broke both religious laws and cultural laws. It forbade her to be near people. It, it says that every place that she would have sat, every place that she would have laid down, would now be considered an unclean place. Imagine living your life that way. What I want to talk about today is the faith that drove her to that crowd. To the faith that drove her to reach out and to, to touch Jesus. See, that kind of faith begins with believing that God is who he says he is. In other words, you, you can't grow in your faith without a knowledge of the character and the love of God. She had no doubt heard about, about who Jesus was. Surely she had heard about the four crazy guys that tore open some stranger's roof and dropped their friend down, not dropped him, but lowered him down. <laughs> that would have been a different thing. But they lowered him down, and she heard about the fact that he healed that guy. He was paralyzed. That's a horrible, horrible ailment, much like what she was experiencing. I'm sure he experienced some of the loneliness, some of the things, but he certainly wouldn't have been as ostracized, but, but he healed him. She heard about that. She heard about Peter's mother-in-law. She heard about uh, all of the instances of casting out of demons. I'm sure she heard word about the fact that there were all these boats on the, on the water and Jesus just said, be still, and the, and the storm subsided and was calm. She heard all of these things and she thought, if I could just get into the presence of this man who I know can heal people, I could be healed. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, part of the challenge with us when we start talking about physical healing and we, we, we talk about the miraculous and that God can move and work and, and in, the, in miracles and in the miraculous is we haven't done a lot of legwork to fully know who God is. And what I mean by that is, it, in order for us to, want, when circumstances happen and situations come, and now we find ourselves with a 12-year ailment, or we find ourselves going through extreme pain, hurt, suffering, all of these things, that in order for us to have the kind of faith to see us through whatever that is, we have to know who he is. And the best way we can know who he is is by the word of God. 
is by taking his word and implanting it in our heart and knowing that when, when life hits us in the face, we know, oh wait, I know who God is in this situation. And our faith begins to be strengthened because the more we understand who he is, the more our faith builds. We also recognize from this woman that our faith continues regardless of what we can see. See, her physical situation had plagued her for 12 years. For all intents and purposes, this woman should not have had a whole lot of faith for anything to heal her. Each day of her life, she was dying. I mean, if you think about it, I, uh, I was talking with uh, Brian Cesaric last night about this, that, that if she's constantly bleeding, she has to be anemic. She has to be weak. She has to be tired. And so here's this woman who every day of her life, she's slowly dying to this point in her discomfort, and she has been unable to be helped. It wasn't that she didn't try. I mean, this, the passage tells us that she went to doctors. She went to the physicians. In, in Mark chapter 5, verse 26, it says uh, that she had suffered many things of many physicians. Uh, and then it goes on to say she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather she grew worse. So it's interesting. It says she, she had suffered many things of many physicians. Uh, so I looked up. I wonder what the physicians were telling her. Like, what kind of, in antiquity, in biblical times, what would have been the cure for a, a bloody problem in this case? Here's what I found. This is the, the, the best of the best, the smartest of the smartest. It says that in order to cure this woman's blood problems, you need to do this. So she goes to the doctor, and the doctor says to her, I've seen this before. I know what to do. I want you to take an ostrich egg. I want you to burn it. I want you to take the ashes of the ostrich egg. And in the summer, I want you to carry it uh, in a linen rag. But then when it changes and it becomes winter, oh, you need to switch that over to a cotton rag. And just carry it around with you. Yeah, that blood will dry right up. That's what they told her to do. So it says that she suffered many things of many physicians. I'm imagining she's walking around with still bleeding. This isn't working. So she goes back to the physicians. Oh, that didn't work? Oh, uh, yeah, that probably wouldn't work anyway. So uh, the second thing you need to do then is you need to uh, dig seven ditches. Yeah, sure, no problem. I'm bleeding out. I'm weak. I'll just dig seven ditches. But dig seven ditches and then go out, get some grapevines, uh, throw those in the ditch, all of the ditches, burn them, burn the grapevines in the ditches. And then, and this is probably the best news she's heard all day, uh, he said, then I want you to take a, a glass of wine and I want you to drink wine at each of the ditches. <laughs> Can I get an amen, right? Like, <laughs> that doctor's like, uh, do a bunch of stuff and then get drunk. You won't even remember that you're bleeding. Sorry, doctor, there was a little bit of relief at the end, but it didn't work. 
So he says, okay, I, I got the solution. I want you to go out, find where two roads cross, two roads intersect. I want you to stand in the intersection, and I want you to hold a glass of wine in your hand. And then unbeknownst to you, uh, get one of your friends who, mind you, doesn't want to be close to you, uh, to sneak up behind you and scare you. That'll get rid of the bleeding. These were the answers that she endured. This was the suffering of many physicians that she would have had to have gone through. How humiliating it must have been for her. Because not only did none of those things work, she spent everything that she had in order to accomplish it. She was penniless. She was spent both physically and mentally, materially, emotionally. She was none the better and what it tells us is that she was even growing worse. Here was the dire straits of this woman. Luke, who was one of the disciples, he also has the, the count of this story. He talks about uh, her situation, and uh, he just, let's just say he's not super optimistic. He, he talks about it, and he's a Christian, right? He, he knows Jesus. He's been walking with Jesus. He knows Jesus can heal her. He knows there's hope. He's got hope. But he says in chapter 8, Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians, and could not be healed by any. Notice he said could not. Not had not. Not like there was a cure. Not like if she would have just done more, she could have gotten healing. This is a doctor speaking. This disciple was a doctor, a Christian doctor, who is being honest about her condition. And it says that he, she could not be healed. But here's the good news, everybody, because even when Luke, who's a doctor, says that she can't be healed, Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians that we walk not by or we walk by faith not by sight. So it may seem as though everything around us is crumbling. It may seem that that we're still bleeding out. But we walk by faith not the circumstance in which we're in. I wonder how many of us are are tired of contending for that miracle in our life. Because we, we know, I mean, we get the card and, uh, and we see the same request week after week after week after week. Maybe even some of you feel guilty continuing to write it. It's like, I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. But can I tell you that we walk by faith, not by sight? We continue to walk in the faith that God can do something, God will do something, and not the sight and the, the circumstances of which we are in. That even if everything seems to be pointing towards destruction, we're going to still contend for the miracle. It's why, honestly, it's why we continue to pray and contend and get on our knees for our country. Like, we could look at our country and be like, uh, I don't care what side you're on. I don't care where you stand on any of the issues. I think everybody agrees this is a mess. We got a mess, right? And we could say, well, it's not as bad of a mess as it was before. It's still a mess. 
we would look at that and say, circumstantially, it looks like this, all, this whole thing's going to hell in a handbasket. Like, it's over. It's just, just throwing the towel, right? But we don't live by sight. We don't live by circumstances. We don't live by the, the diagnosis or the, the way in which we are enduring pain or by the chemotherapy or by political beliefs or any of those things. We live by faith. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget, oh yeah, this Christian thing that I'm doing is a faith journey. It's, it requires faith. It requires you to believe even when you don't understand. There's two errors in regard to this idea of physical healing and the miraculous physical healing of God. I, don't, I couldn't find a word for it, so I made one up. Uh, the first one is uh, the confessionists. The confessionists, now they, they do say this, they, it's a name it and claim it, uh, blab it and grab it, like, you know, it's this idea that says, if you just say it, you'll be healed. If you just speak it, as, as though somehow there is power in our words, when really the power only comes from the Holy Spirit, it only comes from God. So there's this whole pendulum of people that has been swung all the way over here that says that if you just speak it or if you just have enough faith or if you just do this, then, uh, then there'll be healing. And if you're sick or if there's death, then it's probably because you're far from God and you just don't have the kind of faith that you should have. And we know that. We have some very good friends who are a part of a church who lost their two-year-old son. I've told this story before. Two-year-old son, he's on life support. And they've got to make a decision to remove him from life support. And their previous church, a church that is the, the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, like if you just say this, if you just, if you just had enough faith, then he would rise from the dead. So what does that say to them when they have to make the decision to actually pull him from life support that now they don't have enough faith, they don't trust God, they don't love God, they're far from... That's nonsense, by the way. And if, if you believe that, then uh, we might have some challenges around here. The other side of that pendulum swings way over here. And there is a word for this. This is called cessationists. And these are the people that believe that when the last apostle died, that all miracles cease to exist. That, that, that God just said, I'm closing shop, no more miracles, we're done. Now, it doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. I've looked, I've tried to argue that case, can't do it. I believe there's balance in our faith. There's balance in, in between these two crazies. And, and, and I apologize if I called you crazy, but <laughs> there's balance in this. And in the, in the cessationist standpoint, I think most of us, if we're really being honest with ourselves, we've heard or have known of a miracle that's taken place. If you've been walking with God for very long in your life, you know that there's been a miracle. Take. And here's the thing is, if just one miracle in the last 2,000 years has taken place, 
then they're wrong. All it takes is one and they're wrong. So I'm guessing they're not right. I, I know they're not right. Uh, because I've seen a miracle in my life, as many of you have and have experienced that. Listen, I think it's a miracle that I'm standing here speaking to you. That's a miracle in and of itself. So God does do the miraculous, and it does require faith from us. The challenge that we have, though, is when we start talking about this, we are reminded of disappointments. See, we've all, we all know or have experienced or we know of someone or have heard about a miraculous thing that's taken place, but we've all buried people that we've prayed for. And that's hard for us. That's the part that we can't reconcile. That's the part where we're torn because physical healing seems to be arbitrary and trivial and there's probably a third element of this where we, we believe God does miracles and healings for everybody else, but he couldn't do it for me because we don't feel worthy of it. I want us to consider this morning the understanding that although faith is important, it is an integral part of healing. There's action that has to take place. See, for this woman who's coming into the crowd Bodily presence wasn't enough. She, she knew who Jesus was. She knew he could heal. She had the faith to believe that he could heal. But there was a step that was taken beyond just being in the crowd, being in proximity, being in his presence. There was a step, a, a reaching out, an action of faith that took place when he touched his, his cloak. It's not unlike the story of the crazy guys lowering their friend through the roof. Jesus looks up to him and says, because of your faith, this guy's healed. You had faith. You brought him to me. That's how much faith you had. You had the action of bringing him before me, and I'm going to heal him. What if she had faith but no action? What if she put forth action? What if she just reached out, touched him, thinking that it was actually the garment that was going to heal her, not Jesus, but had no faith? Because there were two kinds of people in that crowd. There were a bunch of people in that crowd who, who touched Jesus. They were touching him. The disciples were like, how could you ask who's touching me? They're all touching you, right? But they didn't have the faith to believe that God could heal them. There was only one person in the crowd who came in with the faith and the action to touch him. And because of that, she was healed. And you say, well, I, you know, that sounds then, Ryan, a little bit like you're saying that it's, it's something we do to receive healing in our life. And I would just say it's faith and it's action. The Bible gives us very clear instruction on what we are to do. It says in James chapter 5, is anyone among you in trouble? If they are, let them pray. That's common sense, right? Like, hey, if you're in trouble, how many of you have ever been in trouble? First thing you do is, oh God, get me out of this situation. You pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Kelly said, I haven't been to second service in a long time. These guys are rocking it in second service. You guys, have, that was an encouragement to you. That wasn't my highest praise, but it was praise. 
And then it goes on and says, is anyone among you sick? Well, what, okay, it doesn't say, is anyone among you sick? Just have faith to believe that God can heal you. It gives us an actionable item here. It says, well, call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Which if you've been around here for very long, you know what's coming next. We're going to offer that today. We're going to have the prayer team, the elders, pastors, anybody we can find of leadership available to you. Normally they're on the sides of the sanctuary today. I'm going to have them be up front. Because there's an action that needs to take place. Now listen, if you come for prayer and you've got physical healing that you need and you're like, well, uh, it says anoint people with oil, you have to ask for it. We're not just flinging oil over people. That's rude. We don't do that. We don't dump oil on people. But if you want to be anointed with oil, ask. We have it available. And, and it is a magical, mystical oil. By Johnson and Johnson. <laughs> there is nothing magical or mystical about this oil whatsoever, but it is a symbol of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, if there's nothing magical about them, why do we do it? Because he said to. You go to the leaders of the church, you pray, you anoint with oil. I got anointed with oil yesterday. Maybe that's why my message was all jacked up this morning. <laughs> Those guys messed me up at prayer yesterday. <laughs> Note to self, Glenn Pummel. <laughs> Seriously, I stood right here, they anointed me with oil, and now my message doesn't show up. <laughs> We're going to do that today, and you're going to have the opportunity. But here's where that passage goes. It then takes a turn, and it says... Uh, well, it says, in the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. But then it goes into something interesting. It says, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just need some physical healing. I don't want to be confessing my sins. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I say, well, I don't, that seems a little redundant. So I have, to con I have to go, I have to get prayer, I have to get anointed with oil, I have to confess my sins, and then I'll be healed. What I want you to see is that this version of healing, this word, root word of healing right here, is not talking about physical healing. It's talking about inner healing. It's talking about going and, and confessing your sins one to each other and receiving the saving grace and healing of Jesus Christ inside of you. And my point is that is that God still heals people today. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can say, well, why not every time? My point is, is that there is actionable things that have to be done and he is more interested and what's going on inside of you than what's going on outside of you. That he cares more about your soul than he does about your physical body. That this life that we ail in, that we suffer in, this bloody disease that we have, whatever the case, this pain that we're enduring, this is temporary. Scripture says that this life on earth is like a mist. It's just a moment, a puff, a breath, a wind, and 
then we have eternity. And that's what he cares about. It's not that he doesn't care about your physical ailments or all those things. But listen, he is way more interested in your eternal soul than he is this temporary, sin-driven, painstaking physical body that you've been given on this earth. You say, well, why doesn't God heal every time? Well, I just want to give you a passage of scripture. And, uh, and this is, for some of you, this will be encouraging. Some of you, you're going you're gonna to really be frustrated by this. Isaiah 55, 8 says, for my thoughts, and this is God speaking a prophetic word. He's saying, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. In other words, we ask God, why didn't you? Why didn't you heal this person? And God says, there will come a time where you will know. In 1 John, it says, one day we will be in heaven and we will see him as he is. And everything becomes clear in that moment, which is the implication that everything is not clear in this moment. Right? That there's just things that we don't understand. Things that we will never understand. They don't call this faith for nothing. It requires an amount of faith in our life. There will be things that we don't understand in this life. And I'm okay with it. I'm okay with that. I think, we think that when we go to heaven, it's just going to be the hallelujah chorus, you know, and and perfect voices like Kelly's singing, like somehow my voice will turn to her voice and we'll all be praising God. People are like, amen, brother. I, you know, like, here's really what's going to happen when we get to heaven. What you're going to hear is not the hallelujah chorus. You're going to hear a collective, oh. It's not in the Bible, but I'm pretty sure it's truth. You're going to hear, oh, that's why. Oh, I get it now. Now I see it. But while we're here, we sing and understand. And I'm okay trusting that I serve a God who is bigger than what I can understand. I'm okay trusting a God that's bigger than my ways. He goes from this part of physical healing to this place of spiritual healing in our life. And he says, I care about that first and foremost. You're thinking about earth, I'm thinking about heaven. Even in the story of the crazy friends dropping their, lowering their friend down, what does he say to the guy who gets the physical healing first? He says, your sins are forgiven. That was the first thing he said to him. Your sins are forgiven. I care about that first. And I'll sprinkle a little physical healing on that to go with it. He didn't say that. But, but I'm going to heal you physically. But what I really care about is that your sins are forgiven Go and sin no more. How many times in scripture? Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Go and confess your sins one to the other. That's what's important in this life. Jesus says to this woman when, after she's received the healing, she confesses to him, I touched you. He says to her, go in peace. 
which literally translated means go into peace. Go into a place of peace, into an understanding of who your father is. So even in that moment, receiving that physical healing, obviously an enormous, enormous relief for this woman. But the greatest miracle that took place in that moment is that she could now go into peace with her heavenly father. So let God work in us. Does God still do miracles today? Absolutely. Don't be these guys. He works. He does miracles. But don't be these guys and just walk around saying, if you don't, if you don't have a miracle, it's because you don't have enough faith. Your son died because you didn't believe God enough. You didn't know who God was. No, I knew who God was. I knew what this earth was. And I knew that in this wor- world, in this earth, Scripture tells us that good people die young. That's what Scripture says. You know that that's in there? Good people die young, that we lose those way too early. That that's just this stupid world that we live in, this fallen, sinful world. And because of that, some people have to go through 12 years of bloody discharge before ever receiving a healing. It's why, for some of you, you have to continue to write down on your card the miracle that you're contending for and praying for. And when you think about giving up, be reminded of that woman who, even after burning vines in ditches and getting drunk in the process, she continued to seek a miracle in her life. That no matter where you've been, no matter what you're doing, continue to press on. Because, listen, the reality is, is if that healing, if that uh, relief doesn't come in this life, Scripture tells us that he will safely take us into heaven. So even if it's not here, it will be there. And you say, well, that seems like kind of a cop-out, you know. No, it's not a cop-out. It's just the weight of the importance of this versus the importance of this wisp of a life that we live. I want to pray for us. I invite you to respond today. And if you need healing in your life, if you need physical, emotional, mental healing, I heard a story about a, a father who, who has a, I don't know how to, I, don't, I have lost track of the politically correct word, um, a uh, mentally uh, challenged, disabled, mentally disabled son who's now 19 years old and for 19 years has been praying that God would heal him. I asked him, I said, well, what point do you stop praying for that? And he said, when I'm in heaven. You continue to pray, you continue to contend, continue to have the faith that God can do the miraculous. That just reminded me of a story of, uh, of my dad. We, we had a guy in our, in our church when I was a kid growing up. His name was Chad Risley, and he had Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, it came on really fast. It was ended up in a chair uh, in a recliner with a respirator. Um, couldn't move. Uh, could At one point, could still speak, but even got to the point where he couldn't even speak anymore. All he could do is mouth words. And he, even that got bad to where they got him a a uh, computer that he could fit between his knees and he could go through and he could spell out words just by clicking, not clicking, but kind of moving his knees together. 
And I was reminded of the fact that my dad, I don't, I don't in my mind, in my, in my childlike mind, it seemed as though it was every week. I don't know that it was every week. It, he probably would tell you, yeah, it was like maybe a couple times. But you know, in my mind, it was every week. I, I know it was very consistent that he would go sit at his knees and pray for healing. You know that Chad Risley died of Lou Gehrig's disease? He never was healed from that disease in this life. The point is, is he was healed in eternity. Chad loved Jesus, preached a message with his computer knees, preached a message, loved Jesus, brought, people, brought lots of his friends to Christ. That's one element of it. The second element of it is we never stopped having the faith to believe that God could. Let's pray. Father, this is, uh, for many, difficult because we've experienced uh, burying a loved one, experienced uh, walking with a loved one through chemotherapy and all of the damages and the struggles that is. We've, we've experienced people go through just enormous suffering. We look at our world and we see suffering all over this world and, and we just, at times, we, our faith begins to lack begins to wane a little bit. But I think today we needed a reminder from a nameless, culturally irrelevant woman. Because this woman would have been an outcast. She would have been a nobody. Maybe that's why there is no name. This nameless, timid, weak, suffering woman who never gave up in her faith. Continued to contend that there's got to be healing for this. God, I pray for everybody in this room who is currently suffering through ailments. <laughs> Probably nothing in, in this case, but maybe cancer, maybe uh, different um, spinal diseases, mental capacities, emotional, chemical imbalances, all of the stuff that people are dealing with right now and have been contending for a miracle in their life. God, I pray that today would be their miracle. And what I mean by that is, certainly I pray that they are healed, but more importantly, that today they understand that even in the midst of their ailment, you are still God. And this life is only temporary until we get to a place of eternity where there will be no disease, there will be no bleeding out, there will be no cancer, there will be none of this. There'll just be a lot of, oh, I get it now. God, I pray that as they step out, as this woman did, that there would be courage, there'd be a sense of faith of today. I'm gonna step out, walk in obedience, 
Go to the elders and pastors of the church. Be anointed with oil and say, God, you can do the miraculous today. If there's anybody in the room this morning as everyone's got their heads bowed that hasn't ever experienced the healing of the saving grace of Jesus Christ, that's the first step. That's step number one when it comes to any amount of the miraculous in your life. In fact, it is a miracle in and of itself where Jesus Christ dies on the cross, takes your sin on him so that you now can be innocent, resurrects from the grave so you can have eternal life. That's a miracle which we celebrate this weekend. If you're here this morning and have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, Surrender completely to him and say, God, you be the leader of my life. You control my life. Uh, I want to give you that opportunity because that honestly is more important to him than the physical healings that might take place today. He cares about your soul. So if that's you, would you be so bold and just right where you're seated, raise your hand and say, Ryan, that's me. Will you pray with me? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up front. I won't even call you out. I'll just, I'll pray with you. I'll give you some language uh, for you to be able to pray for yourself. And, and then we'll move on and we'll, we'll have some other prayers. Is there anybody that's saying that this morning that would say, you know what? I came here today, never given my life to Jesus, but today's the day. Is that you? Good. Well, Father, for the rest of us in the room, I pray that we would step out, that our faith would be in action.